0: Today's episode of The Big Picture is brought to you by Miller Lite. Summer is almost over, but it's always time for a Miller Lite. Miller Lite is the great tasting light beer. With only 96 calories and 3.2 grams of carbs, that's fewer calories and half the carbs of Bud Light. So there's really nothing more to talk about. If you have a real argument, let me hear it. Until then, stick with Miller Lite. Miller Lite, hold true.
1: Personally... I don't necessarily understand the jokes. I should not say that. (laughs) Yesterday at the premiere, I was wondering why people were laughing sometimes. Uh, I think it's more important to have something believable than to get people uh, to laugh.
0: I'm Sean Fennessy, editor-in-chief of The Ringer, and this is The Big Picture, a conversation show with some of the most interesting filmmakers in the world. Some directors can see magic, no matter the format, the platform, or the story. Michel Gondry sees magic in a concert documentary with Dave Chappelle, a sci-fi love story, or the public intellectual Noam Chomsky. As a filmmaker, the Frenchman has made such beloved and uniquely Gondrian works as Be Kind Rewind and Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Now he's making a move to television and reuniting with his Eternal Sunshine star Jim Carrey on the new Showtime series Kidding. Gondry is one of the great visual creators of his generation, and I spoke with him about working in a new medium, the stakes of his career now, and where he still needs to go. Here's Michelle Gondry. I'm just overjoyed to be joined by Michelle Gondry. Michelle, thank you for coming in to talk to me today.
1: Sure. Thanks for having me.
0: Sir, you've made a lot of films. And films of different kinds, different genres, you've kind of blown up the format a lot. But you've never really um, leaned into a, a television format. And this is sort of your first big entree into TV, this show Kidding. Well, what, what led you to working on this project?
1: I had done, years ago, one episode of this series, uh, uh, Flight of the Concorde, which I loved and I found it hilarious. Kidding is, is my first uh, big experience in television, what made you want to do it? I don't know. I mean, I was proposed to do it. And uh, the story uh, by Dev Holstein was uh, really uh, engaging, very uh, original, but something, a simple concept that leads to uh, complexity. And richness, which is the best. And of course, uh, the participation of uh, Jim Carrey. And the idea to do television. I mean, it's true that now television is, uh, is evolving and it's, uh, there is uh, more series and movies, uh, nearly. Uh, I still uh, want to do more movies, but it was, uh, I think I'm happy I did it. Had you been offered
0: big series work like this before and turned it down and something had changed? Or was this just the right project?
1: This was the right project. I'm not sure I was offered many uh, series to do.
0: So a lot of people, you know, one of your best-known films is obviously Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. You worked with Jim on that film. Did you and Jim have a relationship in the time since you guys finished working on that to now? Or was this sort of like a true reunion?
1: No, we kept in touch. Yeah? I would uh, visit him and we would meet. Uh, I mean, I would say a couple of, couple of times a year, but I, we saw each other getting older. Mm-hmm. When we started to work on Kidding, uh, we uh, started right where we left an uh, uh, Internal Sunshine. And that was really uh, productive and uh, very special.
0: Yeah, I, I was wondering if he had changed at all as a performer to you. Because obviously he has talked a lot about changing and he's in a different phase of his career in terms of his relationship to things like fame and the kinds of roles that he takes. And I think that the role in Eternal Sunshine was a bit of a turning point for him as well. But when you were actually working together, did you sense that he had changed as a performer in any way?
1: Well, already when I met him, I didn't see him for at least six months and I can could feel uh, that... He was not in a very uh, light or happy place. Uh, I mean, his difficulties uh, let appear a little glimpse of uh, melancholy depth and sadness that I know I'm going to use for his character. So that was my impression. I thought, okay, it's... Uh, I mean, I don't really feel sorry for him, especially when I... Uh, invite him in his uh, home uh, <laughs> it's a nice place i bet <laughs> last time i went there uh, <laughs> we we're having dinner or lunch and i i need to get to the bathroom and i say well, uh, can you show me the bathroom uh he said oh you have one really close uh, right there and it took me five minutes to get there <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm sure it's a palatial estate, um, but so if he's in, in a little bit of a stormier place, it's be, is better for for the for the work for the part, especially because this character that you guys are, are building is a is a complicated figure. You know, like he, he's a children's show host who's experienced great loss and is, feels like he's essentially having a nervous breakdown of of some kind.
1: Yes, but if you look at his <laughs> career and his life. It's like a roller coaster. Mm -hmm. I mean, not his career in terms of success, but in terms of genre of films he he chooses. So he has everything, and as he grow older, he accumulates more experience in life, of course, like everyone. And all this gives me more material to to play, uh, to work with. So when I see him in a more difficult stage, I, I think uh, that's how it should be when he's in a real life and uh, he has difficulty to get uh, heard. And when I uh, think of a moment where he is funny, he make jokes, uh, I think, okay, here is uh, Mr. Piccolo uh, in the show. Yeah,
0: it's a, it's, it's an interesting role for him because he almost has to be so many of the aspects that he has been in his career. You know, he actually has to be that light, fun, bright-eyed figure when he's making the show, but then when he's off camera, he's really reconciling with some some real darkness, right?
1: Yep, yeah. yeah.
0: What was it like to kind of make a show within a show? I feel like a lot of the work that you do is, you know, has a sort of almost like a meta quality or there's like a construction inside of the thing that you're working on. This felt like such a perfect fit. Was it fun to try to build something inside of the thing you were making?
1: Yes, I think... I like to show the process, how things are made. Uh, It's an important part of my life. So it's easier for me to show it, like for any director. It's like a writer, they write about writer, director, they write about director. Mm -hmm. They uh, shoot about the director, uh, because it's our experience. So this part uh, was, uh, was easy. And also the world uh, created for children uh, was exciting too. And what was important for me uh, was uh, to do it as uh, sincerely as possible. Not to do an aesthetic on characters that would be what an adult think a child like but really as if the child had made it only technically a little more precise
0: this is sort of a year of mr rogers in america because of the mr rogers documentary and so i feel like this concept of making a show for kids is strangely at the top of a lot of people's minds and the mr pickles character i think will actually resonate more even though he's a more tragic figure than mr rogers um, have you seen that film, that documentary film? Yes. Are you, are it, you familiar with Mr. Rogers and his...
1: his uh, yes, I the mean, sculpture? I was not before I came here. I don't think we have anyone like that in France. Um, but it was important for me that we don't get stuck to, uh, to Mr. Rogers. It's very uh, peculiar. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that Jim was maybe more interesting. Mm-hmm. He doesn't play the same role with his audience, but I, uh, I got some idea of what from Mr. Roger uh, we would need uh, for our story, but I really didn't want to take more than that. I did. I told Jim, please don't. Watch uh, Mr. Rogers' tape. I don't like biopics and people who mimics, uh, existing uh, character. Uh, I, I feel it's like if the actor was wearing a mask, so you don't feel really the depth. So uh, I wanted to forget about that, but it's hard because there is a common element.
0: It's interesting. I mean, I think I could completely understand why you're making it, why that would be an impediment. But on the other hand, I do think oddly it like it gives it a kind of resonance too because we're thinking about figures like that while watching the show. Yeah. Um, You mentioned that it's important to you to sort of show the making of things. And and what is it about that? There is this sort of almost like construction paper quality where things are coming together in your work. And we see that on the screen. Why Mm -hmm. is that important to you?
1: Um, When I was a kid, we didn't have a show like Mr. Roger. We had more animated. So this show were, were like little furry puppets. And you could tell how it was made. Like, let's say it was a river, it was with a uh, uh, cellophane that was uh, crumpled, and it was moving at each frame, so you could tell how it was made, and you really, at least me, wanted to go in your room and do the same. And uh, I, I always love that because it's stimulating. You see how it's made, so you want to make, and it doesn't, take away uh, uh, the magic or the imagination. And if you will, there is a comparison that's, it's a bit of a stretch, but it's like the punk, punk movement where all those guys and girls came to the stage and had no idea how to play the instrument and they made music that make people jump. Uh, they, they make, you want to make, to do a band, uh, like the first concert of uh, the Sex Pistols, mm-hmm. there were 20 or uh, 40 people in the audience and the 40 of them started a band. So uh, coming back to uh, the craft and why it's nice to see it, it's, it's stimulating for the viewer to uh, go and find its own creativity.
0: That's interesting. Do you have people come up to you and say, Because I was able to understand how you did some of the things that you did that I wanted to then make films in that same way that somebody who saw The Sex Pistols was like, I could do that. I could make that song.
1: I think so. I've done stuff that are very technical and people were more saying, I have no idea how you did that. A lot of people of a certain age come to me and they say, "Uh, uh, I I grew up watching a video and that's why I'm a director. I have a lot of... uh, it's a very uh, glorifying for me to inspire people to do this job. It's a, a certain type of work uh, that inspires them, but the idea that uh, uh, you can uh, do it uh, uh, even you you have no idea, you can. Uh, th- it's very important to me. I, I do those factories. It's called home movie factories and it's a little, uh, I mean, it's not little. It's quite big, actually. It's a, it's a sort of a system that we move from town to town and we, uh, build a, a set, a mini set with uh, five, uh, um, I mean, 15 or 20 uh, little location. We give uh, a camera to a group of people and they write stories together. Uh, they have a shooting map, and then they shoot their story, and they watch it right away. Uh, it's so nice to see the joy of people watching something they made themselves.
0: I want to ask you about that specifically in your career too, because you know you you've made a lot of different kinds of movies, and some of them have been in Europe, some of them have been in Hollywood. Um, the formats that you've used are are very. You've made documentaries, you've made films that have a lot of animation in them. You know, at this stage, what kinds of films do you want to make and feel most comfortable making? And I'm also just kind of curious about how you feel about different, those, some of those different stretches of your career. You know, more or less, what do you want to be making right now?
1: I will start by the, the other part of the question. Uh, because when you were asking me the question, I realized why. I, and people ask me why I should movie in many different countries. Um, and I think it came from uh, doing videos, uh, videos is a sort of a globalization. I mean, especially, of course, since MTV. Um, and so I went to shoot everywhere. And I remember, uh, meeting a guy in middle of Texas for commercial edit for IVES. And he knew my videos. And I thought it was, it was cool that we, I would never have any connection with this guy. And he knew my videos. So I think he led me, uh, to uh, to to be able uh, to to work in uh, in uh, in different uh, countries.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, I, if anybody doesn't own the that Palm Pictures collection of all of your music video work, that's like one of the great DVDs. I love that set so much of the stuff uh, that you've made. Do you, you still make you. music videos? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is your relationship to them at this point?
1: Oh, it's great when after after a movie, for instance, mm-hmm. uh, to do a a video. Uh, uh, it's refreshing. It's faster. I can uh, uh, use an idea that's too absurd or crazy that, to, to fit in a feature film.
0: Today's episode of the Big Picture is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. You know, at The Ringer, we are always hiring. We have a bunch of jobs open right now. If you go to our jobs page, you can check those out. But there are some things you don't want to do when you're hiring a new employee. There are job sites that send you tons of wrong resumes to sort through. That's not smart. There are job sites that make you wait for the right candidates to apply to your job. Not smart. You know what else is not smart? Using your relatives to fill in at work while you look for staff. But you know what is smart? Going to ZipRecruiter.com slash 33 to hire the right person. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you, it finds them for you. Its powerful matching technology scans thousands of resumes, identifies people with the right skills, education and experience for your job, and it actively invites them to apply so you get qualified candidates fast. That's why ZipRecruiter is rated number 1 by employers in the US. And right now my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, that's ziprecruiter.com/33. ziprecruiter.com/33. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Okay, let's get back to my conversation with Michelle Gondry. When you're looking for a movie, are you looking for story or trying to do something new in the approach?
1: As a story first, yeah, and then depending on the story, uh, I will do. Uh... I will see the best way to to tell the story, Uh, uh, and I might uh, be able to use different ways to shoot. But uh, if you have a bad story, you can do the best uh, light and effect possible. It stinks. There's no way around. Is there a certain
0: kind of story that you look for? Are you looking for a love story, or does it not matter? It can be anything? Because you've made some movies that are hard to describe, some that are fairly straightforward, you know, is there, does there have to be like a kind of complexity
1: to it? I think more importantly is I like, I need to like the characters. Mm. I went to see a movie a uh, few, uh, maybe last year, uh, with a guy who works in Wall Street. It, he sleeps with a lot of prostitutes. He takes a lot of coke and uh, he's mean. And... I wondered after it was very well crafted, but I I would not be able to do it. And I wonder, uh, uh, I did wonder after, uh, why would I spend two hours of my life uh, to look to watch a guy that is completely uninteresting, mean, uh, and I have no no identification possible with him and it's basically uh, the stupid uh, mean idiot <laughs> so i uh that answered the question I, I would not i mean i would not spend two hours to watch it so i don't want to spend two years to make a movie about that so that's important for me that i have uh, a bit of compassion for the main character
0: there there are some television shows that are very well directed that have a defined visual style and and are well, you know thought to be masterfully done but very few not that many and I was wondering how you attempt to put sort of your visual imprometer on on a on a TV show which is often made differently not just because of the showrunners you say but because of kind of the vagaries of the business like was it easy was it any difficult at all to make a gondry thing
1: well I don't never think, okay, I'm, I'm going to do a gondry thing. If anything, I, I want to make something the most known gondry that, that as possible because I want to renew myself and do things different. I mean, and if there is a link, I should not be aware of it. It should be people uh, joining the dots. Uh, but, uh, I postpone this, all these aesthetical Decision, uh, till the, nearly the last day. Really? focus focused on the story, the character, and then the puppet. And then we had conversation with uh, the director of photography, Sean Kim. We eventually made decision to shoot it a little bit dark. I don't think I will describe the decision we made because it may be a little, uh, a little cliche or obvious so we did not want to make it uh, too much TV with a uh, uh, close-up, medium, wide shot for each character. Uh, we try to to make things uh, a, a bit different because it's, it's going so fast on television that you can very easily uh, become lazy and, uh, and just do the minimum and also you make sure everybody gets every joke. Personally, I don't necessarily understand the jokes. I should not say that. (laughs) Yesterday at the premiere, I was wondering why people were laughing sometimes. But I think it's a good thing because I don't want to to find excuses or or brag, but it's more fluid. I shoot it more fluidly because I don't feel, okay, I have to hit the mark. So, okay, if we miss one joke, uh, I think it's more important to have something believable and uh, touching than to get people uh, to laugh. Of course, when you're in a theater, you're happy when people laugh, but that's not necessarily what uh, how uh, they remember the movie, how they will be touched by the movie. It's interesting. I mean,
0: there are some differences there in terms of even if you're completely locked into the material or not, knowing what notes to give your actors feels important. Uh, Frank in particular, Catherine Keene is wonderful, and Jim is, of course, great, but his character jumps off the screen. He he feels like a new kind of person that we haven't seen before.
1: I think uh, Dave Holstein, the the showrunner, really told me once, I could hear Frank talk for hours. Yeah. And I told him, yeah, I can see that. And I felt he was talking too much.
0: <laughs> He's great. Well, okay, last question. Um, I end every show by asking filmmakers what's the last great thing that they've seen. So what is the last great thing that you have well, seen?
1: Well, I went to see Black Clanked Man. Yeah, Spike Lee's S- new film. Spike Lee's new film. Really like it. And what really make me made me happy it's to show D.W. Griffith for what he is. Sort of a horrible racist who glorified the Klux Klan, And uh, he's always in the list of the 10 best directors for all the critics in the world. And nobody's going to say, but he was a horrible uh, racist. It's like, uh, it's not Hitler, but it's like Hitler made a movie on the... And everybody, uh, uh, praise him. Like people want to separate art, uh, from, uh, humanity or morality. Uh, I mean, you could say that from, uh, Lenny Riefenstahl. Yeah. 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 So it's a complex problem, but for Griffiths, it's so obvious, uh, that it's shocking that nobody ever talk about that. So I really want to thank uh, Spike Lee to, to, to show uh, show the reality
0: it's an amazing thing he, the, his the movie is as much about the ideas as it is about filmmaking you know he, the, the, even the opening yes. with gone with the wind and that big shot and you know he yeah it is obsessed with that idea
1: no it, it's uh it's important I I, uh, I never do quote but this one I know uh, it's uh, Marco Ferrari the Italian director uh, he was saying uh, my movies are bad, but at least they talk about something. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, that's not the case with this I conversation. Do the Italian accent. I'm sorry,
0: <laughs> Michelle Gondry, Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Big Picture. For more on movies, please go to TheRinger.com. I wrote a long story about the director Hal Ashby. There's a documentary about his life and work called Hal out in theaters. I I highly recommend that as well. And if you want to read more about the movies in theaters this weekend, check out Adam Naiman on The Nun, the new horror movie in the Conjuring universe. That's TheRinger.com. Check it out now.